Hello, and welcome to Wyverns and Weirdos, D&D podcast set in the world of Fierlore. I'm your Dungeon Master Darby, and joining me as always are Eddie playing Tibble, Mitch playing Neris, Laura playing Janice and Rue, Jake playing the Fishman, Joe playing Alton, Emily playing Cerise, and Zoe playing Loren. Let's jump into it. So, where we last left off, the crew of the Polaris embarked on what they were preparing to be a stealth mission, headed by Neris, Janus in his full were-shark form, notably leaving his clothes behind on board, Alton and the Fishman, while the rest of the crew, including Tibble and Rue, stayed behind to guard the ship. However, the stealth party quickly came across some familiar faces in an underground open air cave. Loren and Cerise, as well as two strangers, a mysterious cloaked figure and a flashily dressed tiefling, all speaking to a monstrous creature, an aboleth. The cloaked figure left with orders for Cerise, the champion, to do away with the aboleth, and the Polaris soon joined forces with the remainder of the Red Phoenix to defeat a common foe. With Neris dealing the final blow, we now join the aftermath. As the stench of the slothed flesh of the aboleth permeates the air, stales the water. So Damien steps forward and throws a smirk in the direction of Cerise and Loren, and then he turns to this crew of strangers. Well, I'll be. I suppose y'all are uh, the good guys then. What does that make you? Oh, honey, I'm anything you want me to be. And Damien strides forward, puts his hand out. Damien on Troy, it sure is a uh, pleasure to see such fine folk in such a bizarre location to just stumble across. But it seems you're uh, acquainted with some recent friends of mine. He kind of gestures back to Cerise and Loren, giving a wink in Loren's direction as he says friends. Janice steps in directly behind as Damien's talking to Neris as well and just stands there with this hulking figure over them. Yes, well, I'd say we are well acquainted. His big rows of sharp teeth grinned over at Lorena and Cerise, but otherwise he doesn't move to step forward. He's just behind Neris looking large, as has been his job with Tibble many a time. Well, uh, unfortunately, I haven't had the pleasure. You see, I wasn't a... Expecting visitors. That makes two of us. Neri Solalenti. It's a pleasure to meet you, Damien. Oh, pleasure. It's certainly all mine, darling. And Damien flourishes his fingers and he presents to you a business card. Neris will take the business card, give it a cursory glance before putting it into a pocket and then turning to... It would be Cerise, I think. I'm curious, I wish to ask you what brings you down here. Cerise turns to look at Neris as she banishes her uh, packed weapon. Puff of amber mist. And 
she we all have questions they don't always get answered that is half the fun of asking very true Cerise dear are we in a company I just want to know where I can uh, he kind of shimmies his shoulders a little bit (laughs) where I can step if you catch my meaning not quite ah We've helped them out of a couple of pickles before. That's all. Delightful. Well, this certainly is interesting. In the background of all of this, I feel like this little quadrant are all like looking at each other very um, intently in this moment. So mostly I think Fishman and Alton, you would see this. It was just in the background. Loren had been standing there kind of feet in the shallows like after this lightning bolt had shot off and this creature dissipates and she watches as the gunk remaining of this creature floats on the water. Very slowly, you see her plant her staff in the ground, falls to her knees, and she just starts scooping up clean water and washing her face. And she is silent. That's hilarious because I was going to say, Fishman doesn't really say much either, and he's essentially just staring down at this disappearing corpse that floats down deeper and deeper as it, it leaves his vision. And then he'll turn around and say, What business did you have with this creature? There is nothing good from this beast. Oh, not with that attitude, there ain't. There is much you don't know. Oh, of course, sugar. And part of why I'm here. Much you are all avoiding. Handsome, have... you got a name? Actually, no. You can call me Fishman, and you can answer my questions, please. There is a time and place for riddles and poems. This is not one. We were helping someone. The one that has left us. Yes. As he looks around the room. An unfamiliar face. Quiet. We came for one thing, and it seems we have it. What happens now? We seem to help you with this pickle as well, as you so put it. Was this your business as well? It was made my business, yes. And champion. I heard him say champion. Perhaps. And then he'll turn to Loren. I also heard a name. You did? And who is this Conrad? Loren looks over at Cerise and Damien and the riddles they have been talking. And she reaches forward into the muck and pulls out like, I don't know, part of a tentacle that was left of the aboleth, throws it onto the shore and then puts her hands on her knees and looks up at Fishman. Conrad's a usurper god. In fact, he's the usurper god. Caused quite a fuss about 20 odd years ago. Some of you would be too young to remember, I think. But he likes to make waves. He's been locked away a very long time. But that's all I can really say. Fishman will have quite some relief in his face that he finally got an answer. And he'll turn and he'll say, And does this mean you are helping this usurper god? Cerise looks towards Damien and then looks towards Loren. Yes. I will note, um, Damien, at this point, he looks quite amused. And since Fishman kind of 
not so much shut him down, but just was terse enough with him and then immediately addressed Cerise. He's been looking between Fishman and Cerise and one of his eyebrows is just quirked. And he's also just standing there watching as everyone else is silent. Thank you. I appreciate the honesty. And then he'll simply just turn away, load a harpoon into his gun, also pull up a tentacle, and he'll try and sever off part of his tentacle or some part of it that is kind of identifiable as the Aboleth. I think during this, Alton would have been just kind of like taking a moment to catch his breath, quite exhausted from doing a more hands-on scuffle and then just like watching these interactions and he just kind of scoffs. Abelus, now, gods, I thought you were a bit more, I thought you were a bit smarter than that. <sighs> All right. And he'll walk up to Cerise and hold out the sword and be like, well, she didn't end up needing this, although I appreciate the gesture. Would you like this one back? I would. Thank you. No problem. Wish I could employ that little trick there to keep a pistol safe. And he kind of indicates um, Damien, who has like a little like air bubble surrounding his like, gun and everything. Yeah, so the air bubble is just like incorporated into the belt. So, oh, so it's not around the gun it. specifically, um, yeah. but it's just like his pouch and stuff that would otherwise get water damaged. Yes, I don't imagine those uh, fire sticks do terribly well in water. No, no, I didn't really pick the greatest place of employment, considering my main weapon. Uh, speaking of, uh, uh, Damien, was it? Do you, um, do you need any medical attention? And he kind of, like, also looks over to Neris, like, eh. Is it good to heal him as well? Neris would give a terse nod, as in yes, but, yeah, we're not friends. Yeah, that's fair. We're, yeah. Well, it's very good you're here then, Alton, if some of us are injured. Aren't you gonna go get Rue? We need a medic. Damien kind of leans towards Alton and puts a hand on Alton's forearm. Don't you worry, sweetness. She's had a bee in her bonnet pretty much since I set foot in her ship, so uh, she may be lashing out a little. Though I would much welcome your tender touch. Alton looks like rather taken aback. Um, it's like, uh, no, of course. Yes, uh, happy to help. I am a, a medical professional. And uh, does this medical professional have a name? Yes, uh, it's Alison Dainwin. It most certainly is a pleasure. <laughs> and Damien does this suave little flirty thing where he bends down and it's as if he's going to kiss your hand, but he doesn't actually touch lips to your hand. And uh, then he kind of looks over as he's bending down to do this to Loren, very amused. Alton is just like completely still and silent for a moment, just very baffled by what is happening here. Not expecting this before eventually just drawing his arm back quite quickly and then just going to get out his medical supplies, which probably like wrapped in like a lot of waterproof material. So he's just like unwrapping kind of awkwardly. Cerise sort of looks to Alton and looks between Alton and Neris. So I never did hear what ended up happening to your captain. Did he survive? I'm sure you'll be happy to know that the captain is making a full recovery. He will be back serving on the Polaris as soon as his health improves. Quite remarkable. 
considering. He is resilient. You said you uh, are working with the Usurper God. Do and Nerys's eyes will briefly but noticeably flick to Damien and then Loren. Do all of you work for the Usurper God? No. Can Damien hear this? Is Damien like close enough to hear this? I think it depends how enraptured he is with Alton, TBH. <laughs> Unless people are making a concerted effort to not be heard, you can all pretty much hear what everyone's saying. Damien would look up at Neris from wherever Alton has kind of started working on his wounds. Sweetness, uh, I am very much untethered and I plan on staying that way, but, uh, no hate to those who like to partake in those kind of relationships. Thank you for answering. Well, you are most certainly welcome. You can question me anytime. As soon as I wish to question you, I will. And Neris will turn back to Cerise. The fourth individual that was with you. Yes. You keep interesting company. Of course. I do not know much of this usurper god, but I happened upon some information in my travels. An interesting and persuasive figure. At least no. he was in his youth. Has he always led the Red Phoenix? Or is this a new addition? Not always. But for a while. Hmm. One must always search for new things. In that we can agree. You are being provided many new things, I assume. Certainly, and she just sort of twiddles her fingers and little sparks form and then disappear. Well, now that this task has been completed, what now? I could not help but notice, unless you have extremely high levels of magic, your ship is not here. No. What's now? That is a very good question. And Cerise looks towards Loren and then back at Neris. I suppose we may have to ask for some hospitality. If you would ever be so kind. We have a third we have to bring along, but, you know, he only makes a little bit of noise and as long as you keep him entertained, he doesn't bite. Oh, darlings, I promise I'll be on my very best behavior. That's not saying much. He seems like a friendly sort, at least. Oh, I'll be plenty friendly to you, sure. Neris will wink back at him. But then as he does that, he leans closer to Neris over his shoulder. And then to Neris is like, do you think this is worse, Captain? In your head, Janice, you hear a response. Unfortunately, my foresight has abandoned me as of late. He does turn immediately to look at you when that sound enters his brain. And then he just nods. Well, if the gracious captain thinks it is best, then we can certainly help you out. After all, you've helped us out before. He nods at Loren directly. Child of the storm, we certainly will be on our best behavior for friends doing a favor. I can promise that. Excellent. He nods towards Damien. Janus Stormbreaker Regulus VII, the Unwavering. Mama, aren't you a mouthful? Oh, I certainly am. <clears throat> Alison looks physically pained. 
Uh, Damien, on that, stands up and wanders over to where Cerise is, touching Elton's arm as he stands up. Thank you, sugar. And then he turns to Fishman. Roughly how far and in what specific direction is your ship? I'd say probably a few hundred to maybe a thousand feet journey. Approximately about 700 meters. And he points up with his finger in that direction. Well, that just won't do. I should warn you, if you're planning on using magic to get aboard the Polaris, I would request that you wait until we are on board. We have been attacked a few times recently from unknown people on these waters and were you to board even with a known face such as Cerise without myself or my companions present you would most likely be shot I would hate for that to happen we've only just met well it is sure touching that you care so dearly sweetheart but unfortunately uh, myself and this one don't swim that well so unless you have some other suggestion on how we can get up there. I may have a way. Tucker time? Tucker time. As he turns to Alton with like a fingers outstretched pistols kind of. <laughs> and then, yeah, he'll point his hand out towards a clean part of the water touching the base of this weird square rock island. As, yeah, water starts splashing. And then basically a giant seahorse appears. I say giant, it's not actually giant, but for a seahorse, it's a giant seahorse. For the first time ever, Cerise looks confused. (laughs) Now, where on all the planes did you find this lot? That's a long story. And she peels his hand off her. Now that he's spawned Tucker, Fishman might have a quick look around to see if there's anything still odd about the area. He was detecting a portal earlier, but... What exactly is this area? Because really, we've only really been paying attention to the platform itself. Yeah, so it is, yeah, a platform of, uh, of essentially stone uh, within the centre of this cave, um, surrounded by water, almost forming a moat around this central mass. The portal can feel that it seems to have diminished and is in the process of diminishing is still present in around about the same place that the Aboleth was. I believe we've got what we come for. We should make haste. We have everything we need to prove this was the creature. And Neris is going to have a little bit of a look around as well. Does it look like there's any sort of wreckage from other ships or any prizes that have been claimed by this creature? Roll me a an investigation check. I did it! I got a 20! A natural or a daddy? A natural. That's a, a natural. 28. Oh, dang. Nice. So you see that there are bits of shipwreck and loose coinage visible around about where this portal is. Neris can't see or feel the portal, can he? No. Okay. It seems the portal is closing. We should best make haste. We have what we come for. Uh, Neris, who was just about to start to go over and try and claim some of these wooden pieces that could be linked back to the missing ships, stops and puts together a couple of puzzle pieces in his head and will nod and say, very well, shall return to the Polaris. 
There are scraps of wood and a small chest with the lid kind of snapped off from mold and rot. It has some coins in it. We just mage hand a pile of solid things that aren't coins, I guess. The chest is on the outer side of where the portal is. The- Why are you doing this to me? Can we try and pull the chest with Mage Hand? It is probably a bit too heavy for Mage Hand. Yeah, then essentially you would just see Neris kind of staring at a box and this little hand like a cat just kind of like clawing and trying to bring up something and it's just, it's not grabbing anything and it's like picking up a couple of coins and they just kind of fall out and he's doing it again. Tucker nudges the chest and keeps on nudging it. If it's on a floating platform, then he just keeps on nudging it closer and closer. And in response to Janice's question, Neris will just respond. I'm curious if there is something we can return to the heads of the Hydra or to the previous owners, if there are any. It is worth investigating beyond the samples Fishman has collected of the tentacles. Hearing Neris say that he wants to get this loot to return it to the head of the Hydra or whatever, <laughs> um, Alton kind of tries to like lock eyes with Fishman like, seriously, are you hearing this? Perhaps the tentacle is not enough. He just Whilst kind of like scoffs like, ugh. <laughs> and then, yeah, I guess one last thing, just to make sure we've covered all of our bases, is Fishman will kneel down next to the water and ask Tucker to check out the portal, basically getting him to go and see if he can go through the portal and then immediately come back. For the timing of it, because this is closing reasonably rapidly, roll me two things. Roll me an investigation check with Tucker's stats. I rolled an 18. If that helps you, give me a second for Tucker. Investigation, what is that? Uh, It is intelligence. So that is a 16. And the other thing is, roll me an initiative check to see if Tucker can manage to get back through the portal. Pretty sure that's a one. So you see, like, the portal still isn't entirely closed, but it has become too small for the form of Tucker to get. Yeah, that's all good. All right, cool. It seems we are done here. Very well. And as you collectively begin your journey out of this chamber and to the Polaris, the portal finishes closing. Of note, everyone's making the leave. A bunch of you have your little breathing spell. And then Cerise and Damien are basically just being told to hold their breath and hold on to the seahorse. And Loren stands up and straps her staff back onto her back. She kind of sighs. She brushes her hair back. She pulls her headband off. And everyone can see her ears, the fin-like ears that they would have seen if they were looking in the last combat we had together. And then she just looks over at Cerise and Damien and goes, hold your breath, and just dives into the water. No magic, and just starts swimming. Well, that sure is cute. She is, isn't she? Meanwhile, back on the Polaris, Tibble and Rue, how have you been occupying your time? So I think Rue suggested we go and check on Kara, so we're probably going in to see how stuff's going there. Rue would also be keeping you very careful on the horizon to see if any creatures come attacking us or whatever, but they've been mostly silent otherwise, unless Tibble's wanted him to accompany him for something. Yeah, so Tibble would have gone along with Rue when they both checked in on Kara to see how she fared after everything, but Tibble does seem quite distracted to Rue. 
during the time he does take the time to go around and check in on individual crew members in a way that he kind of has avoided doing while Neris has been on board. Tibble seems to move and feel very different now that the others aren't there. He almost appears like he's more in his element, especially when he's interacting with the crew and it isn't within the context of him being captain. So Tibble spends the time going around and just having the little conversations that he hasn't really been able to have. And he probably asked for Rue to come along with him. I know you're less uh, familiar with a lot of the crew. I am an outsider, yes. I, would you, uh, would you like to accompany me as a friend? As a friend? But of course, I would be delighted to. I don't think it necessarily needs to be RP, like the individual conversations, but I think Rue in particular would notice that they're a lot more relaxed and familial than the captain's addresses have been, and especially since everything that has happened. So Rue specifically would not have seen Tibble like this with his crew. Unless anything else happens, that's what they've been doing. There's a huge big splash as a large great white breaches the surface of the water, (laughs) probably being clung to by at least Nero's, by the little little neck rope. (laughs) Elton too, reluctantly. There would be a message spell sent up before we breach, just saying we're bringing guests, prepare, we're coming in. Hope you're all still alive. No one responds. As a joke. (laughs) As a fun little prank to play on Neris. <laughs> no, uh, Neris. second window where Neris just loses his mind. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I'm sure. Uh, who would you have sent the message to? Tibble. Yeah, okay. Um, Tibble would most likely, like, you can respond with message, yeah? Yeah. Um, yeah, Tibble would just respond back that um, all has been quiet and um, everyone is unharmed and doing their duties. And then shark. (laughs) Ah, there we go, ship doesn't look terrible. Thank you, boss. No problem at all, one moment. And then you, as that kind of happens, um, you you hear like the cracking and shape-shifting a bone and get this like flurry of action. And then probably by that point, some of the like the deck crew scramble to go like throw tarp over Janice as he carefully deposits both Nerys and Alton on the deck. I know we're now all on the ship, but I do just kind of want to have a little moment here. This isn't so much a, a, a dialogue as a feeling you are all starting to experience. A lot of you would have noticed, you know, you're used to Loren against your will at this point for some of you, and she has been behaving very differently. And you notice in the cave during the combat while we're swimming to the boat and even in those first few moments on the deck, something's off. Fishman, what you notice is she seems so upset. Something has happened in the last couple of days that has really thrown her off balance in a way. It reminds you almost of the stuff that's been happening to Alton recently and the ways you have wanted to try and comfort him seeing someone in distress that clearly is in distress for something 
completely outside of their control and there is no end to that distress. And you almost have this pull to want to comfort Loren the way you do Alton. Alton, you don't see that. You see someone full of rage, full of anger, holding it back in a way that you're familiar with, that crushing weight of needing to appear as something you're not. And you already relate to Loren in a way that many of your crewmates don't, but this is stronger. You want to talk to her about this. Janice, that is not what you see. You see the rage, you see anger, and you know about holding back anger, but you also see loyalty. You see someone so deeply entwined with their captain that they would rather change who they are than abandon that. You see something you know in Lorend, beyond the storm, beyond the anger. You see that undying, unending loyalty, and it makes you trust her. And almost in spite of himself, while this is all happening at the same time, Janice turns to look at her. Janice, as you look to Lorend on the deck, in the water, whenever this feeling starts to push into your mind. There is something about her, you cannot place it. It's not physical. You wouldn't even say it's emotional or personality. In a moment, just for a moment, she reminds you of Anna. You could not say why or how, but she does. So I imagine like he sees this as he's pulled himself up on deck and he's drying himself up and throwing clothes on. He kind of turns away and just scrubs away a tear and then will just not look back because he doesn't want to, even though he's curious. Ow. He can't. Damn, hurtful. Um, Damien, you haven't known Loren that long. You don't really know anything about her except that she's prickly, she's annoying, she wants you to hate her because she hates you. That is so delicious to you. That is a bear you can poke with an endless stick because you also know that Loren and that undying loyalty will never do something to hurt Cerise. That makes you just want to poke the bear even more. Neris, you don't like Loren. You've never liked Loren. And she has been snide, and particularly the few comments she has made have been sharp. But she thanked you in that combat. She acknowledged that you did something better than she did. You know that doesn't come easy to her. And you feel against your will almost. You could respect her, not as an enemy or as someone who is good as their job, but for a moment you think, if you just stepped closer, you could be friends. And even if you shake it off, that feeling lingers. Cerise, you see Loren, you see suffering, you see someone on the brink. She stands on the deck of the ship and she falls into step behind you and she waits. So with everyone gathered on the deck, what is the general reaction here? Well, I must say it is interesting to see more return than before, when we were certainly expecting less. 
I, I mean, we were definitely expecting everyone to return. Of course, is that not right? And then Rue kind of like looks around absentmindedly from wherever Tibble is. They've just been staying there cordially. It's probably like everyone's been like <laughs> climbing on board or trying to like get set themselves in place. Ah, sorry, Loren. Certainly is an unexpected pleasure. Yes, we got a little stranded for the moment. Aye, and um, are we uh, extending hospitality this time? Tibble's looking at Neris as he asks this. We are. We happened upon the members of the Red Phoenix. They are, for some reason or another, without their ship. Don't know if they have misplaced it or something, but we are allowing them to accompany us to the next port. How delightful! This is wonderful news! A ship is very easy to lose, I would know. I am still searching for one. Kind of regards Tibble again, and like to Tibble perhaps? It's not that like Rue is like, being nice to Tibble because Tibble's still recovering and all that. It's just like Ruth's kind of coming like, oh yeah, Tibble is actually good at talking to people after having like gone around the ship and be like, oh yeah, no. Tibble <laughs> should know what to say instead. Yeah. <laughs> and Tibble like seems quite endeared and almost has this quiet sort of delight in seeing Rue speak their mind, even if some of the things are sort of amusing. And Tibble has this sort of half smile and yeah, he gives an amused sort of glance up to Rue and then gestures forward and he wheels himself forward as he would be in his chair. He may not have been for the entire wander around unless Rue forced him into his chair, but now that Alton specifically is back on board as well as Neris, um, he is in his chair and he wheels forward and he looks to Loren and Cerise and... Uh, he puts a hand up, I guess, to shake Cerise's. Well then, it is a pleasure to have you both back on board. Your new friend too, I suppose. Tibble Clover. And this is the Polaris, if no one has mentioned it yet. Yes, and I'm Dr. Rue Friday of the Polaris. Pleasure to meet you all. Old friends, of course, included. Uh, Cerise does extend her hand out and uh, probably just a finger <laughs> shakes Tibble's hand. This is Damien. He's an acquaintance. So Damien grins and he glances at Alton for a moment and then glances to Rue before addressing Tibble. Well, there aren't you the sweetest little thing. Damien Omfroy. And Tibble looks baffled, like he doesn't really know how to take that before kind of looking up to Cerise. Her features are fairly neutral. She's okay. not really giving much away. He sees that and he kind of looks back to Damien and he's like, Well, um, a friend of Cerise and Lorenz is a friend of the Polaris, I suppose. Welcome aboard. Enjoy your stay. Damien grins and stands up straight. Well, aren't you two just the quaintest little welcoming party? And you, Dr. Rue. Yes, pleased to make your acquaintance, Mr. Damien. Damien saunters forward and he looks very curious and very fascinated. Now, sweetheart, I hope you don't take any offense to this, as I certainly 
do not mean it in any form of bad way, but I've been around some and I have never seen a creature quite as interesting as you. Oh, well, that is very kind of you to say. I am quite unusual, or so I hear. I'll say. I am, uh, what some may call an Adam doll. You do not deal in Adam doll cores, I hope. They tilt their head to one side, a light flashing behind their eyes brightly. Sugar, I don't even know what that is, but, uh... Good to hear. I'm sure if it's, um, half as special as you, it's gotta be valuable. Oh. You've got nothing to fear from me. Rick kind of, like, looks around like, mm-hmm. I see. Well, welcome aboard the Polaris. And Damien looks at Rue and kind of looks around at the crew of the Polaris and he's like, what a delightful little crew we have here, huh? I need a drink. I trust you know as a mess hall is. Fine. And Loren just walks off. Rue watches her leave curiously, but just kind of continues to sort of sit there lacing their fingers around wandering Damien again. Jazz turns to sort of avoid sort of looking at Loran um, for a moment and then tilts his head towards Nerez. Captain, what should we do next? We prepare to cast off. We return to Ankersir. There's much to discuss, I imagine. Hmm. When we're on safer waters. Indeed. We should, of course, keep our wits about us when we are not in such waters. Of course. Especially if any turns are like slides his gaze down directly to Nerys's eyes. Especially if the future is not so clear currently. And he's just pulling his shirt down and is like, All right, pull it. Let's discuss. We are going to be casting off soon. And he strides off. Neris will also stride off, giving instructions to prepare for a turn and return to Ankathir at a moment's notice. Um, his way to his study, but won't get there. As soon as he goes down the hall and sort of loses everyone on the main deck, he will make his way to the mess hall. And just what are you looking for there, Sololante? Neris would find Loren wedged in the furthest back corner possible, her feet up on a chair. She has a shot glass in front of her that she is filling from her own flask, and she is just doing shots to herself. Looking for something to drink. Then join me, why don't you? And he will. He will come over into the little shadowy corner. Will pull out his own hip flask and his own little glass that he keeps on his person and start to pour shots and we'll drink. I don't know about Loren. Neris mm. is not here to get drunk. Neris is no. here for information. Neris, could you roll a, I don't know, an insight, a perception? Games that we play. <laughs> I need to change the dice. Is that a nat 20? That was another nat 20. What Loren is drinking clearly tastes as bad as alcohol does. She's not getting drunk. She isn't even acting tipsy. It smells kind of weird. It doesn't smell like alcohol. Not any alcohol you've smelled. You can't quite place it, but it reminds you of the kitchen. There is the briefest of moments where a thought crosses Neris's mind of... Is Loren drinking detergent? <laughs> Before he pushes that thought off. That is a question for another day. You seem to be in quite a pickle down there. I think the captain had it handled quite admirably. Champion of Conrad should, of course. Of course. 
But you misunderstand me. I was not talking about the creature. Weren't you? What does the champion of Conrad mean to you? You are not getting that out of me so easy. Uh-uh. You tell me yours, I'll tell you mine. How about that? What would you like to know? Hmm. You seem a real uptight, no-nonsense, stick-in-the-mud, book-wizard sort. What the feck are you doing, quartermaster of a ship? Oh, sorry, captain. What the feck is up with that? I've spent many a year here. I've risen amongst the ranks, as everyone who spends a lot of time on one vessel has. Now you're the one who's misunderstanding my meaning, but we'll put that on me for not being clear. You want to know what the champion means to me? A champion of a god, any god, means the best. It means that's the one the god puts the most faith in. That's the one the god cares about the most. Little gods have nothing but champions because they care so deeply. Big gods may not even have one because all they care about is the mass and not the singular. Conrad, that big bastard up in the sky, cares enough about my captain to derail everything we've been doing to move his plans along. And wouldn't you know it, like a true champion, she does it. And I follow. We're all the champion of something, aren't we? And she takes a shot. It's very loyal of you both. Loyalty's hard to come by on the sea. You don't throw it away. Many do. Would you? I've experienced it in the past. Throwing away loyalty? I've witnessed others throwing it away. It comes and goes sometimes. Then it wasn't real. You and I must be built of sturdier things then. I certainly don't think anyone would see their captain lying crushed on the deck and still command both medics to focus on them. I certainly don't think if Tibble Clover were not loyal to you in return, that you would still be captain despite him being on this ship. And look, once again, you don't seem the type. I certainly don't think you would be here if there were not something that keeps you loyal to Captain Tibble Clover. Would you mind sharing for the whole class? There was an arrangement a while ago. All right. Sort of you scratch his back, he scratches your ankle kind of business. I think despite Neris trying, he's had a couple of shots now, so he does let out a little bit of a, a grin before he tries to get it under control. Ha! <laughs> cracked ya! Cracked ya! I knew I would! <laughs> Merely a twitch. You're a twitchy fella, that makes sense. Nah, I don't like that. <clears throat> <laughs> I do. It's the most fun I've had in days. Don't have much fun anymore, now that your captain has been a champion. <sighs> there are commitments. Well, there's someone on the ship having their own fun. Doesn't align with my type of fun. Even if the rest of the crew thinks that the prodigal built the very ocean we sail upon. You know our three cooks are actually fans of his. From like, his actual singing days. They own a couple of like, bootleg sheet music of his songs. They sing it on the deck sometimes. It's enraging just how excited they've been. They just keep scarpering all over themselves trying to like ask a prodigal questions like, oh, what's it like being so talented? What's it like being so tall? It's enraging. I imagine it would be. So it gives the opportunity to get more work done when others are focused on others. I get my work done when I can focus on what I'm doing and when I know what I'm doing. 
at the moment, I am the one blind person on that ship being led to a destination that I know nothing about and could not give less of a shit about. And I do it anyway. For loyalty. For a captain that I have called sister for near on a decade. A long time. A long time. How long have you known Tibble? A long time. A long time. What would it take for you to leave him? I expect I'll know if I get there. I... I expect I will too. What do you want? Why are you here? As in, staying with my captain. Why are you alive? What is your purpose? If you want me to tell you that, and she slides her glass across, I want you to do a shot of that. Show me you trust me enough to drink my alcohol. I'll do a shot of yours if it makes you feel better. Neris is going to pick up this shot glass with this weird liquid in it that he knows isn't alcohol. Place it down in front of him, and that thirst for knowledge overpowers his brain as he pours a shot from his flask, slides it over to information. Prost. It's vinegar. Oh, what is that? <laughs> oh, gods! Oh, gods, that burns! Oh, fuck! Oh, it's burns! Oh, God! Oh, oh, God. you drink this! God, you, you drink, drink this? this? You drink oh, this? This is awful! Of course I do! It's good for your health and also it's funny! Oh, God! There's nothing funny about Yes. Roll me a charisma saving throw. <laughs> Four. <laughs> Four. Okay, so, Loren, in the middle of all this, you see Neris's eyes cloud over. You could almost swear that it looks like swirling pools of sand on his eyes. Neris, you find yourself walking down a familiar corridor. Treasures adorn the wall, some of which you had a personal hand in finding and bringing to the heads of the Hydra. You walk with purpose. Though you don't know what that purpose is, it is as if you are just a spectator within your own body. Your own body? That's a question you think to yourself. Is this your own body? Or that of someone else? Occasionally you catch a glimpse of a reflection in a shield or a blade displayed on the wall, and though the image is distorted by the shapes of these treasures, you would recognize yourself anywhere. You continue to walk, and you feel your wrist flick, as if casting a spell, just before entering a chamber where there are 13 chairs placed around a central, circular desk. Twelve of them occupied by figures of varying familiarity to you. The heads of the Hydra themselves. At least, all but one of them, it would seem. An unusual sight. Lation, what purpose do you have for calling us all here? Victor Wilde seems to call impatiently, seemingly looking in your direction. I am afraid you feel the words escape your lips. That we have reached a very critical point in our operations here. And suddenly you're back on the Polaris. Hello! You get the feeling that what you saw is not the present. It has a weird feeling of both being a very near and a very distant potential future. I did it. I made you, it. You drank the vinegar. What What did you make? What'd you do? 
I'm sorry. I think the uh, vinegar got to me. Freak? What'd you see? Not quite sure. Okay. I think I saw me. And that's where we're going to leave it for this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you for listening, everyone. See you next week, everyone. Let us know what's going on, because we don't know. At least I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good week. Remember to like and subscribe. Yes. Yes. Smash that like button if you hate vinegar. Smash (laughs) the subscribe button if you love Janice being shirtless all the fucking time. It's it's vinegar this campaign's mayonnaise. Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) Comment if you want vinegar to be this campaign's mayonnaise. See you next week. For legal purposes, doesn't condone the drinking of vinegar to have visions. We don't recommend it. Yeah. Please don't do that. Do it. Medically recommend it. <laughs> no. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. I mean, for clarity, the vinegar, like the vinegar had nothing to do with Neris having the vision at that time. But I just took advantage of the chaos and thought I'd add to the chaos even more.